this man right here, this giant behind me. You may think you know who he is, but his real name is Jake Hagar. And yeah, Jake Hagar, he's a former world champion, but more importantly, right here, right now, he is the toughest, most terrified, most crazy MMA fighter in the world today. Okay, hold on. Second, we the people sucks and it's dead and buried. It was a stupid idea from bad creative and all that's gone. Jake Hagar is the most feared MMA fighter on the hey, planet today. Welcome back to Revealmania AEW Spotlight. Yay! And we are back for episode two of AEW Dynamite on TNT. And Yay! That's Zach. Uh, I'm Rob. That's Zach. And, uh... Man, what a crazy week two. Yeah, uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. We get the reveal of Jericho's new group. We see the first tag team title uh, tournament match. And uh, all kinds of other crazy shit we'll get into. So, what were your expectations coming into week two at all, Zach? Um, my expectations were that the first show was good. Uh, it left on a kind of chaotic note, but I was excited to see where it was going to go. And, uh, I think that, uh, all my expectations were answered. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I had some scruples from last week about, you know, were the Bucks or Kenny Omega or Cody going to be like these focal points and, uh, We'll talk more about that after we go through the show. So, again, this isn't a, like, move-for-move highlight of the show by any means. This is more of a rundown, kind of giving our opinions on the match-by-match, and just kind of giving our thoughts. And we would love to hear your thoughts at ReviewMania.com or our email address at ReviewMania ReviewMania at at gmail.com. Sorry, I was trying to think if it was... Podcast or no podcast? <laughs> well, or do we here's have both? The thing. We have both. Yes, there you go. We are ready for action. Willing and Gable. Yes. Um. So we also wanted just before we get into it, we did release our WrestleMania 21 re- uh, review. So yeah, we're finally doing yeah. WrestleManias again. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Just a little. So. But we're, but we got big time coming up, so. Big time. Yes. I'm out the radio. I also started watching the 1995 Super J Cup. Mm-hmm. And I think Damien666 is my new favorite wrestler of all time. Because he's got the Eugene gimmick. But instead of just doing the moves, he just yells out the performer. So he'll just go, Onita! 
and start doing moves. Hayabusa! Just start doing things. Like, all right, this is awesome. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the 666 wrestlers in Mexico are quite interesting. Bestia 666 is also quite good. Hmm. Well, there you go. But, all right, let's get into AEW Dynamite from Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, in my neck of the woods. I didn't go, though. Yeah, you damn it. Well, it would have been a six-hour drive. Excuses. Whoa, I got work. Oh, it's 12 hours. Oh, that's a lot of gas. <laughs> well, the gas is like the secondary issue. It's just a, I have work and... I know, just give and, me a hard time. And, a, and it would be a long drive. But if they do a pay-per-view in Boston, I'm definitely going. There you go. So, we started off... Uh, excuse me. We started off again fast with a great opening match. I, I thought we were going to get, you know, some promos or something, but no. We start off with uh, the Young Bucks versus Private Party in round one of the Tag Team Tournament Championships. So, uh, I didn't really know who Private Party was. I know that they've been, like, on a couple of the other pay-per-views, but I just must have missed them or something, or they didn't leave any kind of uh, well memory. Yeah, Private Party's like a pretty new tag team, all considered. They're both like really young. Yes. Like they're in their early 20s. And uh, they work out of, uh, they were trained by House of Glory, which I believe is um, Tommy Dreamer. I think you're right. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, so I saw them in the battle royal at um double or nothing and That's I where can't I saw them. yeah i can't remember if i've seen them anywhere else i think you're correct i think they've only been with the ew um so yeah i love their entrance so they come out and their build weight is 24 ounces of cranberry vodka that was awesome gross uh yes and then there's a velvet rope with an atlas security guy standing at it and he unhooks the velvet rope, and they walk through. <laughs> that was a fun little touch. Yeah, no, they're very charismatic, too. Yeah. They were throwing, a, I think, Marty Rob beads or something. Yeah, I think I think um, Isaiah Cassidy was throwing the, uh, or maybe it was Mark Quinn. I, 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 don't, I don't have them quite um, differentiated in my mind yet. I thought Isaiah, or Mark Quinn was the uh, gentleman in the pink shirt with the kind of like blonde. Oh, okay. Yeah, the blonde like he's got like a strip of hair, like kind of like a mohawk, but I don't know if you'd call it a mohawk. It's a reverse mohawk. Yeah. And then, one strip removed, and then two bunches. It's a reverse mohawk. It's very Fist of the North Star. Oh. Well, there you go. So. The young bucks get their usual entrance. I was surprised they didn't come out to being the elite theme. They came out to well, the. Well, Kenny Omega wasn't there, so the elite wasn't there. Ah, okay. So, the young bucks' dollars fall from the ceiling. I wonder how much money they spend on those, and how I don't much think time it takes. I don't think it's that expensive because uh, oh, New Japan. 
New Japan is notoriously cheap in terms of like production. Mm-hmm. Like they they'll pay their wrestlers fairly well, and like their shows will look okay. But like in terms of like entrances and stuff like that, unless you're like Shinsuke Nakamura, you're not going to necessarily get a huge entrance. And so um, I don't think that they uh, necessarily spend a ton of money on those. Probably they go to like Family Mart and just like run them off. <laughs> there you go. So. Very, very fast-paced match. Uh, the story basically was that, you know, a private party's kind of unknown, they're young, and Matt and Nick Jackson, oh, they're the best tag team in the world, and, you know, they've been around the block for a while. They know, and they are tag team wrestling. And for a while, yeah, the Young Bucks are taking it to private party, but party, private party's able to give it back to them and even get the upper hand, and... Jim Ross and Excalibur kept noting that, you know, hey, you guys got to put them away. You got to put them away. And it seemed like just they didn't. And uh, eventually, Private Party gets the upper hand and a lot of great moves, a lot of great reversals, a lot of great high spots. And eventually, out of nowhere, uh, Private Party picks up the win here. Yeah, um... I think that part of the thing was that last week we were we were talking about whether or not the Young Bucks and Cody and Kenny Omega would like book themselves into being winning all the time. Yeah. And um I was I I think I had said that I thought that they would put themselves they would make themselves look good, but they wouldn't necessarily be in a position to uh always go over. And I think that I was right in that in that prediction, uh, especially with this. Yeah, no, I was very shocked. I mean, I was very happy to see it because I was like, come on, like, if the Bucks go over, it's like, great, you've already proven they're a great tag team. We already know that. You know, we've seen their work for years. We know how good they are. What's the point of putting them over, especially as the first ever AEW champions? Um, so I was really excited to see Private Party go over. And I, I really feel like, the Young Bucks made Private Party. Like, this crowd was going nuts. This crowd was actively cheering with for Private Party with Private Party chants. And we're actually booing Young Bucks at, at certain points. Yeah, well, I mean, the Young Bucks were definitely playing up to their heelish yes. uh, tendencies. I mean, the Young Bucks in general are a better heel tag team than they are a face tag team uh, when they work. And so I I thought that the dynamic that they had was just great, uh, very high, fast-paced action. I will say, the one thing that did bother me is that uh, both uh, Matt and Nick put uh, both members of Private Party into the sharpshooter at different points. And the, and the one thing that bothered me about this match is that they applied the sharpshooter for a long time. And the members of private party pulled them across the entire ring yes to and so it's like it kind of killed that move they can't put anybody away with the sharpshooter at this point anymore yeah and what kind of frustrated me too is they was like oh matt jackson all the badness is back his back it seems like every young bucks match now they've got to put over how bad their back is and it's like give me a break yeah it's kind of well heal. i mean right well matt really did have a serious back injury oh uh for like a year like he he worked in new japan um 
with a severe lower back injury and um Nick ended up having to do a lot of the work and Nick became a much better worker mm -hmm. uh, because of that. But like for, I would say a good year and a half, there were matches where like Nick would do the majority of the work and Matt would come in and maybe do like a sharpshooter or yeah. the Meltzer driver or something like that. Like his involvement was um, <clears throat> much reduced while he worked while trying to heal his injury. Gotcha. Um, should he have just taken some time off? Probably, but um, the Young Bucks are or a package combination, people. yeah. Right, and though they don't, uh, they don't take time off. Mm. So we then moved. Uh, so yeah, I, what did you think? I mean, overall, like any other things? Yeah, to say, I, or? I'm. I mean, I really like. Uh, I really like this match. I really like uh, Private Party. I like their tag team finisher, which they called Gin and Juice, which is kind of like a uh, pop up stunner or cutter combination thing, which I think is pretty cool looking. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more out of this tag team. Um. I don't know how long they're going to be in this tournament, but since they got rid of the Young Bucks, there, I think they'll probably. This means that they'll probably make it to the finals, maybe. Maybe. I really hope the momentum continues, because man, the Bucks made them, and now they're like up this like rocket like strapped to them. I hope they can continue putting on good matches. I mean, part of it is, you know, yeah, they were worth the young Bucks. Let's hope they can continue putting on a good shows. Right. So yeah, first shock of the night, great opening match. Uh, we then move on to Le Champion, as Chris Jericho said. Uh, Chris Jericho came out with Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz around him. He got into the ring, and he said that, you know, I have a crew, and they watch my back. And he put over Ortiz and Santana as killers, and, you know, they like to get their hands dirty. Uh... He, he then put over Sammy Garvara saying, you know, he's young and he's a Spanish god. Yes, a Latin god. Yes. And then finally he went to Jake Hagar and the crowd started chanting, we the people. And he put a fucking stop to that. He took a deep breath. He thought for a moment. And he said, we the people is dead and buried. It was bad creative and it sucked. It sucked then and it sucked now. And that killed the last shred of Jack, of Jack Swagger, as we know it. Hopefully this stops the We the People chants. I think it will. I think that uh, AEW's crowd is um, not like... I, I think they're intelligent enough to go, okay, well, we'll play along with this. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of those, like, uh, kind of, like sparky people who are like oh well i'm gonna chant whatever i want because it's going to be funny yeah i i don't think that uh aw has fans like that at the moment uh i, I mean know. maybe i would think so just because they're marky to begin with bro well, well, yeah i don't know but yeah so finally jericho says this is my inner circle and we are the inner circle so that's the new name and it was funny uh, after he says, after the f promo finishes up, uh, Jim Ross goes, ah, I've just been told that 
Go to shopaew.com to check out the Inner Circle merchandise. I went yeah, there. Yeah, they have a shirt. No, I went there. Oh, uh, Pro Wrestling Teeth is doing maintenance. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, but, but they do have a shirt. Yeah, it, I think it's pretty ugly. Uh, well, it's their first design. Let's give them a little bit of time. I mean, it's not iconic like uh, a Bullet like, Club or Evolution. NWO. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like the Evolution shirts, but, um, you know... We'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I I love this promo. Chris Jericho basically gave one of the best promos of his entire career right there. Yeah, it was and great. and I will say this though, uh, Jake Hager. His his name is Jake Hager, and <laughs> Jericho kept on going. This is Jake Hagar, like he's like a member of Led Zeppelin, <laughs> and, and and it's like I know it's his gimmick usually to like mispronounce things like again and like mispronounce people's names and stuff like that, but generally it's not like somebody that uh, he's friends with. So yeah. I don't maybe they'll change his name to Jake Hagar with an A. And, maybe, and I don't know. It would be maybe interesting. It's just, maybe it's just his Canadian accent coming out. Yeah, again, I don't know. But anyway, I just think it's, uh, I, I just thought this was a really good promo and Chris Jericho is, like, for a guy who's in his uh, early 50s at this point, he is having quite the career renaissance in AEW. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I will also say that they brought back the thing that I really liked from, um, Double or nothing, and at the very beginning when he was coming out, it just said, "I am Evil Jericho." Yes, with a spike <laughs> collar or a spike jacket. Well, I mean, they had the spike jacket graphic last week, but they didn't. Oh, they okay. missed out on the "I am Evil Jericho." So, <laughs> combined, spike jacket collar and "I am Evil Jericho," one hundred percent. Keeping go. it one hundred. Next up, we have the number one contender match for the AEW World Title that will occur on next week's episode of all things, which was kind of yeah. Weird. I found this yeah. I found this kind of odd because they've been building up this match between Cody and Jericho, Jericho. and and so I like I would have thought that you know they do need to name another number one contender they constantly need to do that yes but it would have been good if it was like oh this is for the night after uh the show after full gear or yeah or something yeah no it it felt kind of weird where it's like hey week three we've still got three more weeks or so until the next you know right it's like is is jericho gonna go out and tour with Fozzie all of a sudden and they need to yeah. do a quick title change like I hope not no I wouldn't think so but yeah it was just I don't know I think they just needed I think they just think like hey we need a hook we need to keep this ball moving you know sure that's the only thing I can yeah. think of so uh we have uh Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen and uh what was interesting was you know one of the things I said last week was you know hey I, I don't know who a lot of these characters are yeah, I've watched, you know, the pay-per-views and such, but tell me more about these characters. Tell me, get me invested. And they had an inset promo with Jimmy Havoc saying, "Hey, I've been wrestling for 15 years, and I'm all about the violence and and you know pain and this and that." So, you know, 
It just gave me a little bit of something. Nothing. Right. Like if you haven't, if, like if you haven't watched any British wrestling, like if you haven't watched any progress shows or something like that, you and wouldn't I necessarily be, you wouldn't necessarily be familiar with Jimmy Havoc. Um, Darby Allen is another guy who's like um, really young too. Like yes. uh, I, he's uh, I think he's like twenty five. Like he's he's ridiculously young. Um, and he's out of the. A lot of these. Well, yeah, are. yeah, and he's uh, he he wrestled out of uh, the Seattle area. That's where he's from. Hmm. Um, and so, um, both of these guys are known for being hardcore, hardcore wrestlers. wrestlers. Yeah, and in this match, there obviously was no hardcore wrestling, and Darby Allen is super over with the crowd. He skateboards. He he does all this crazy shit. And he's got that crazy move, the coffin drop. Um, that that thing scares the hell out of me. It does. Oh, my because God. Because for those of you who haven't seen it, the coffin drop is basically he goes up to the top rope and then he just dives off of it. Backwards. He doesn't look backwards. He doesn't look where he's going. It's not like a moonsault where he's doing some sort of flip. It's not a senton where it's, like, controlled. He just throws his body. And... The thing is, is like in the middle of the ring, if he lands on his opponent, you know, it's basically just a senton drop. It's like it's a fairly safe bump. But Darby Allen is one of these people who is not going to have a long career. I'm just going to say it right now um, because the the bumps that he takes in the ring are just crazy. Uh, they showed some clips of his match with Cody right before this match started. Yep. And it showed him doing the coffin drop and landing on the apron. The hardest then, part of the ring. And then from the apron, he just dropped because he hit it so hard. Yeah, it was sick when I saw that. And then at the last one at All Out, he took the Cracker Barrel barrel and did a coffin drop off the top rope to the outside. Smashing this barrel along with them. It's probably safer than it looked, but yeah. So, this is a quick little match. Uh, It was nice to see both men kind of have to actually wrestle because all we've been seeing them in is different hardcore-style matches. Like I said, they met each other last time uh, along with Joey Janela in the Cracker Barrel Classic at All Out. So, um, it was interesting to use... uh, Darby Allen used some interesting offense by biting the hand of of uh, Jimmy Havoc, and out of nowhere, uh, we see a Tiger ninety eight driver for the win. Oh, sorry, but for the does... near near fall. You're right. And he does. Uh, he bites his hand again and gets a float over stunner, and then hits the coffin drop, which is only the second time that he's hit the coffin drop. Well, in AEW, uh, I did watch the the uh, AEW Dark show I, on, on uh, YouTube. Hour-long mm-hmm. video. So you get three hours of AEW a week. Uh, I believe it's Monday night it comes out. Yeah, and then it's it's basically three Dark matches that uh, are happen sometime during the taping. Yep, yep. So... Um, you know, a quick little match, like I said, 
It was nice to see them not have to do hardcore stuff and actually see them wrestle. I would love to see more. I really want to learn more about these people. I wish there. I still say I wish there was a bit more. Like, I'm very confused at like why these guys were named, you know, number one contenders. Uh, well, I think it, I I think what they're going with is is if you look at the, uh, they always put the uh, record of the of the people. Yeah. And so I think they're going with the people with the singlest competitors with the highest. Um, well, two of the highest. Well, uh, I I don't know about that, just because, like, we've seen Jimmy Havoc lose. I, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I also I also think it's it depends on who their matches are against. Yeah. As well. Oh, okay. Because I, I I would I would probably say too. I mean, it's clear. Uh, Darby Allen is getting over. Like he just seemed really loved by the crowd, and a lot of people seem to like him. He has a Mick Foley kind of vibe to him. He does, yeah. Or a Mikey Whipwreck. He need now. He just needs a promo of, you know, Jim Ross. I took the biggest, slimiest, gummy worm in the bag, and I stuck it in my mouth. I mean, he doesn't have to go full <laughs> Mick Foley. He or you know what? He could go ECW. Mick Foley and talk about like Dewey Foley and call the crowd sons of bitches. Yes. Like I don't know. I don't know. Uh I don't know. I I also no, I, 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 hear you. I really like Jimmy Havoc. I've I've watched several progress shows and he is always a highlight and he's a really good wrestler. I think it's too bad that he kind of gets uh, kind of just. Um, Do you think they're getting pigeonholed with these hardcore matches? Like, oh, that's always good yeah. for. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people get pigeonholed into the deathmatch hardcore wrestling uh, uh, niche because they're willing to. Do, because there's not a, there's not every wrestler who's goes out there is going to be like, hey, uh, I want you to do a hardcore match. That so, you know, like they may go, no, thank you. Um, so the people who are willing to do it and who can do it well get pib- uh, pigeonholed into it. Um, John Moxley had that problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a guy who's not in AEW, but I think I I want him to be in AEW at some point. Sammy Callahan uh, was definitely pigeonholed into it for a while. So there are there are certain people who who do because they're just willing to put their bodies through that. Um, so we'll see. Gotcha. Well, we move on to a tag team match, which is of Bia Presley and Emi Sakura versus Britt Baker and Riho. So what can you tell me about Emi Sakura? They said that she was, is she the one who started like stardom? Cause she, they said that she owned her own promotion. Well, and she, I don't know if she's. I can look that up. I don't actually know if she started. Um, started. Let me look that up really. Okay, quick. but yeah. So they were like, "Oh, the Japanese legendary uh, woman wrestler Emi Sakura." And I'm like, I think I've heard of her. And then be a well, Priestley. Oh, go ahead. She was. Uh, Emi Sakura was on. Um, Double or nothing. Ah, that's where I know her from. Okay. Yeah. 
And she doesn't own Stardom, but she owns Ice Ribbon. I have never heard of that. Ice Ribbon is another Joshi promotion. It's not necessary. Like, Stardom is kind of like, um, at this point, I would say that it's probably like a Ring of Honor style, like um, that that big mm-hmm. in Japan, mm-hmm. whereas Ice Ribbon is much more of an independent place. Okay. It's an interesting name, though. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is kind of just like a tag team match. I really felt like Riho and Emmy both kind of got overshadowed. It was nice seeing them fight and wrestle. Uh, apparently, Emmy Sakura helped train Riho, who they keep mentioning. Riho did, uh, started training at nine years old, which I'm still thinking to myself, like, who is letting this nine-year-old girl learn do wrestling? But I mean, it's Japan, man. Yeah, I guess. But the match really seemed to focus more on Bea Priestley and Britt Baker. I mean, there was even a point where they, like, fought on the ground or on the floor for a good couple minutes where Bea Priestley was the goddamn... She was the damn legal person, and the ref was just letting them fight. And it's like, uh, why aren't you counting? But, uh... Yeah, I just kind of felt like everyone else got overshadowed from these two. And the match just kind of happened. And it yeah, really felt I mean, like it was supposed to be, hey, you know, hey, you see Riho, the women's champion, and Emi Sakurai, cool, she's a legend. But really, the story is all about Bea Priestley and, and yeah, Britt Baker. Yeah, it was all about Bea Priestley and, and Britt Baker. And I was kind of worried about how they were going to present Riho at the end of last show because again it's Riho is you know she's a great wrestler I'm not knocking her at all but she's very small and she can only work a certain style and that style only really works with certain people and smaller women and both her size were slightly bigger but yeah it's like one of these things that unfortunately for Riho it's one of these things is like how long can you play the underdog you know, gimmick of, oh, I'm only weighing 90 pounds. Oh, I'm plucky. Like, th- it's working now because it's new. But how is it going to be in six months? Like, how Which long can they why... keep giving her this, you know, Right. Run? Which is why I-, I said last week they should have gone with Nyla Rose. I still stand by that. And I think it's also interesting that they're having her team up Riho with Britt Baker. Because Britt Baker was what was the person who many people thought was going to be the first women's champion Yeah, in, in the company. So I foresee a Britt Baker heel turn on Riho and that becoming the next title feud. Eh, I mean, B Priestley seems like she's already the heel. I could just see them ignoring all that and just doing the B Priestley versus Britt Baker. You know, they keep the feud going on leading into the first pay-per-view. Well, I mean, I certainly see that Brie P- B. Priestley and Britt Baker are going to have a feud. That's definitely going to happen. Would the feud mean more if it was for the title? Yes. Of course, but I mean, you could just say, hey, these guys have a grudge match and come up with some reason or something, you know? Or right, they just but, don't like each other. I mean, it's clear that they don't like each other. Also, yeah. I, I do want to mention one thing. Uh, B. Priestley did give Dr. Britt Baker a black eye oh, well, in that, this match. Well, so there you go. 
there's your there's your uh there's your impetus for the match then. Hey, you're unsafe and you're a jerk and you know, we're supposed to be putting on a show. How dare you injure me even if it's a black guy. I have my looks or you know something. Nah, you know, I, you could just you could play it up. I mean, certainly you could. I was bringing this up because B. Priestley has actually had a little bit of a problem in AEW already. Because, oh, wow, really? Yeah, because if you remember, there was that Women's Battle Royal yes. uh, that happened. And apparently in that match, uh, there were complaints that B. Priestley was no was no-selling people. Oh, damn. Yeah, don't, don't and, do that. And so... The, the, the no selling combined with giving Britt Baker a black eye. I don't know if it's because this is she's nervous because she's on such a large stage and and there are many eyes on her and some people get nervous around that and this will kind of calm down or or this is a problem. Yeah, because I mean I don't know how long she's been wrestling. I don't know how experienced know. she is, but it could be a B. combination. All, yeah, B Priestley is another person who I'm going to. Con- say this she's incredibly young um from england and so we'll we'll see uh if this turns into something a little bit more yeah. uh, but it's it's something to know i mean it just might do she just needs to polish i mean I, I would think maybe over in england maybe they're a little i mean i don't watch enough british wrestling i mean I really haven't watched I mean, much, but it seems like they're yeah. a little more snug and a little more, hey, let's make it a little more realistic, where they here are, it's... They, yeah, they are definitely more snug. And I will I will also say, though, they the amount of shows that happen in England are just, uh, like, there's an incredible amount of wrestling that happens over there. Mm-hmm. So, like... I don't think it's necessarily that she doesn't have ex- the experience needed. I think I think it's maybe a style difference, and I also think it's probably um, immaturity, maybe. Could be. And, I mean, at the end of the day, too, accidents do happen. I mean, what do they always say? You know, wrestling's not ballet. But you don't also, I would think you don't want to be someone known like, hey, I don't want to work with her because she's in, she's, you know, causing injuries to other people or you know, going into business for herself but not putting people, you know, not selling the moves, you know, whatever it may be, you could easily get a bad reputation, warranted or not, you know, by a couple careless mistakes. Unless you, you know, this is just me talking as a fan. I'm not in the back. I don't know either of these women personally, obviously, and I don't want to speculate. For all we know, you know, just got a little too snug or, you know, maybe a miscommunication in the ring and, Shit happens. Hopefully it's, like you said, hopefully she's just nervous and she can kind of get the the butterflies out of her stomach and, you know, do better going forward. Right, definitely. Next up we had uh, John Moxley versus Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard. I was kind of surprised to see them put Moxley on TV already. I kind of figured maybe they just relegate him to run-ins or something. Uh, they even made mention how uh, he he was out for a staff infection in his, in his elbow again. And even JR said, hey, he may not be 100%. So uh, I really liked the match. The the abrupt two, it was kind of weird how they kind of cut to his entrance. 
but uh, yeah, it was it was weird transition. Uh, yeah, to Sean Spears' entrance, it was kind of weird because we we're like they were talking about the women's match, and then all of a sudden we just see this person sitting in the middle of the entranceway in a hood, and we're like, I was like, uh, who is this? Okay. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I, Sean Spears. Yeah, I also think it's weird that he still has like, like. 10 on all of his gear and stuff like that. Yeah. I, he's going to drop all that shit. Like, listen, we know who you were, or at least most people probably know who you are. You're done with the WWE. Just drop all your shit. I mean, he even did his 10 punch in the corner. Right. Like he did I mean, in like, WWE. I mean, you could do that as like your like little bit of flair in the corner. Cause you have to, you know, come up with something that's a little different than what everybody else is doing. But like, I don't know, and I also, like, I don't like the chairman thing. Like, I didn't like it when LaParca did it in WCW, and I don't like it here. Well, I mean, I think the only reason he's doing it is because of the accidental blade job he gave Cody, you know, and they're just playing it up. I mean, honestly, I'm glad it's something, because honestly, I'd be like, what does Sean Spears do? Oh, he had that match. Oh, okay, he lost. But... With the whole, he hit Cody across the face and legit busted him open by accident. Uh, that's pretty vicious. But unfortunately, I feel like they haven't really, they're just calling him the chairman, but they aren't really, like, playing anything up. They aren't, like, having him come out and be like, oh, I'm vicious with this chair. You know, anybody on the AEW roster could be next. Like, one swing and you could be down with 18 stitches in your head and blood gushing from it. Right, well... You know, who's next? Like, they haven't done nothing. It's just, oh, there's Sean Spears. Oh, remember that match at at, uh, All In or whatever it was with Cody? Oh, yeah, remember that. Oh, that was cool. Right, that's why I'm comparing it to LaParca's gimmick of the chairman because it's at this point it's just two guys walking to the ring with a chair yeah and and he already has tully blanchard with him which gives him something gives him an advantage gives him something different gives him something to work with because tully can do really good promos i know Mm -hmm. sean spears is not necessarily a great promo guy he's really good in the ring Mm -hmm. and so work with that uh maybe have tully try to make like a four horsemen's group within there and don spears is his first guy like there's so many there's so much that you could do with just sean spears and tully blanchard yeah so man is it me or did you feel like john moxley was just not bad looking but he seemed to be really really hot and he was actually turning red like his face, he he he's he's kind of known for doing that. Like not in WWE. Here's the thing. Like I don't think John Moxley like really did like could did as much as he could have done in in WWE. Like he didn't work as hard. He didn't work as fast. He didn't like make his moves like super like fast paced and things like that. Yeah, and the way that he's working in AEW and in New Japan right now, much faster, much more crisp. And when he, and when you do that, when you work faster, you're obviously going to like 
produce more oxygen and then your face is going to get redder and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I hear you. I just felt maybe like, hey, he's been off TV. He's been, uh, I mean, he was on TV, but I mean, like, you know, he's been away from the ring. I mean, staph infection probably takes a lot out of you. I mean, Jesus. It uh, can. It yeah. depends on how, how bad it is. I don't know. I just kind of hope, like, I hope he's not, like, rushing back. Because, honestly, I'd feel better if, like, if you need to take a couple weeks off, you need to take a couple weeks off. Like, the health of the performer. And I'm pretty sure the health of the performer always comes first, regardless. But, I don't know. I just felt like he was really huffing and puffing this week. But, overall, it still looked good. I mean, they both kind of traded back and forth. And I really like the fact that this week they made a concerted effort to, like, when Tully Blanchard was, like, going to chuck him out with his jacket. They made sure to show, like, hey, Sean Spears is distracting the ref, or even going as far as, like, holding the ref by his collar to keep him distracted while Tully Blanchard, you know, did the dirty deed, you know, behind the ref's back. Where last week, it was kind of like, oh, hey, things are happening in front of the ref, and it makes no sense why they're not calling for DQs. So it seems like they really made a concerted effort to be like, take that criticism and rectify it. Well, I mean, it may not. Uh, it may. We may see it back next week. I think. I think it's more of a Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard thing because Tully is acting like a J.J. Uh, Dillon type manager character right now. Very old school. Yeah. And and that's an old school spot. But yeah, I kind of felt like this match was just really there to put kind of. My, I wouldn't call it a squash match by any means. But, no, but I mean, it was shorter. Yeah. I just didn't feel like I was kind of like, well, you know, it was entertaining. But at the end of the day, Moxley gets the win, and it just kind of leads into the next segment. Right. So, what did you think of the match overall? Any any comments on that before we move on to the next I segment? Mean, I mean, I, I thought it was I thought it was fine. Both of these guys are seemingly incredibly happy not to be in like they are happy. I can say that, and so um, I thought I I liked it. Okay, cool. So, I don't know where Kenny Omega shows up on the floor. He comes out holding a barbed wire bat and a broom with barbed wire wrapped around the uh, bristles and part of the handle. (sighs) And it was like, okay, what what the heck is going to go on now? And this then was silly. Kenny Omega then throws a bar- the barbed wire bat at the feet of John Moxley, who picks it up. And I'm like, are they gonna like, uh, you know, lightsaber with this thing? You know, what 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 the heck's gonna happen? Um. Oh, and oh, I forgot to mention too. Wasn't it the last match that uh? Uh, pa- Pack was on commentary. Yes. Oh yeah, we should probably mention that. So, uh, Pack was on commentary during this last match, and his whole gripe was, "Why is Darby Allen and and uh, Jimmy Havoc getting a number one contendership match when you know Pack has been pretty much undefeated and you know has defeated more uh, uh, more higher level superstars, I guess, or wrestlers. You know, he defeated Kenny Omega. 
it's because you jerk them over for double or nothing, Pac. That's why. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah. Uh, during this segment with, uh, Kenny Omega and John Moxley, out of nowhere, Pac comes running down and blasts the shit out of Omega in the back of the head with a steel chair, with the tip of the, with the top of the steel chair. I had look, it looked like he took and like hit him legit. I was like, I had to rewind it and be like, God dang, what? But no, it obviously didn't. But he, yeah. So what was interesting too was, you know, basically Pox playing this, you know, angry character. And now John Moxley had the opportunity to go after Kenny Omega. And remember, just last week, he put him through a freaking glass table. But he kind of just says you know what you're hurt i'm not gonna do anything he throws the bat down and just kind of walks away and kind of weird because they were so vicious last week you know they fought and fought and fought they fought in the audience they fought everywhere uh and this week it was kind of like well someone else hit you nah, i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna pick your bones you know kind of thing like i'm not gonna take advantage yeah. Do you think? Do you think we'll see them like in a tag team match or something silly, before full gear? Well, I mean, if they do, well, if I, if I see a tag team match in the in the future, I see it being a tag team match with, uh, John Moxley and Pac as partners versus Kenny Omega and somebody else. Yeah, that's true. I just. <laughs> I kind of don't understand, like, how you can keep building up this match other than, like, hey, you were supposed to meet. I could do that, yeah. And then maybe make it so, hey, if Pac wins, he becomes the number one contender. Or make it another number one contender's match for the next pay-per-view. Right. So, um... Yeah. Although Kenny Omega can't be in that conversation, he loses too much. No, no, no. Yeah, that's true though. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. Huh. Maybe making a stipulation that if Pac wins, he gets a number one contendership match. Yeah. <clears throat> so finally, we have our main event of the evening: uh, Dustin Rhodes and Hangman Page versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Dustin is over huge. Adam Page is over huge. Chris Jericho obviously is. And Sammy Guevara was too. So, this was a fun match. This is a really good match. Although, what I found interesting was Chris Jericho barely wrestled. And earlier in the night, you know, he said, Oh, he's a Latin god and he is so great. He is the future of this business. And then in this match, he got worked over for 95% of it. And I was like, man, like, yeah, you don't want to put Sammy over strong, but I, I kind of felt like they they kind of went a little overboard with how much he had to take versus how much offense he dished out. Because the whole story of the match was Dustin and Adam Page were a great tag team, doing different, you know, tagging in and out, and they kept working over Sammy, cutting off the ring. Um, meanwhile, Sammy had to work for this hot tag, and it necessarily wasn't even a hot tag, per se, because this was the heel group. Uh, what, what did you think? I mean, 
I could see I can see what you're saying. I think like if you're looking at the competitors in the match, Chris Jericho, Dustin, Hangman, and Sammy, if somebody's going to have to get the heat in that match, which you know means get worked over, basically, uh, Sammy Guevara is the person to do it. He's the oh, smallest. Definitely. Yeah, he's the smallest and he's the youngest. And I mean, come on, he can bounce back. I, I get it. I just kind of felt I just. The promo from the earlier the night just kept ringing through my head, going, "Man, he put this over place. He put this guy over huge." But then he's like on the ring, like, "Come on, Sammy, come on!" Yeah. Oh, come on! I also thought, I, I also found it weird because he gave Cody such a competitive match last week. Yeah. Um, but you know, overall, I thought that the, this match was great. Again, we got a Judas effect. Yeah, and we got the, Jake Hager running the, in, hitting his clotheslines of doom. The Judas effect still doesn't look good. <laughs> yes. It just comes, it comes out of nowhere. Like, really unexpected. Well, I mean, that's supposed to be, like... Yeah, the point. Yeah, I get game. it. Yeah, but it, it never looks good. Like, it's not like the RKO out of nowhere, or... Even, like, Chris Jericho was really creative about putting in the Codebreaker in places uh, that were, like, unexpected. And it always looked good. But this Judas effect thing, like... Like, I get it. Like, he's taken MMA classes, but God, this move sucks. I wish he would do something else. Would you rather just stick, uh, you know, stick to the cold breaker? No, you know what? I think he needs a, a finisher that's, like, unique to AEW. But, you know, like, he's older now. Like, I could see him being, like, Evil Jericho, straight up Spike Pile Driver. Huh. And. I think that would have been that would be old school. It would be badass, and it would be, it would really like, uh, and it would play into his rock and roll gimmick. I think slightly. Okay, so then after the match, we get this massive beatdown. Inner Circle works over Paige and Dustin, and then the lights go out. Cody shows up, and they drive. It's kind of weird. Like the lights go out, and then Cody's in the middle of the ring. Like, okay, what is he, Bray Wyatt? Um, he drops Sammy, and, uh, Cody then starts getting beat, uh, corners Jericho, but then, uh, Santana and Ortiz kind of gang up on, on Cody, so then MJF comes running down, and he goes nuts on, on the inner circle, uh, and then, uh, they kind of beat him down a little bit. He grabs the chair. And then they kind of hold Cody. And Jericho's like taunting MJF. Like, yeah, you know you want to do it. Oh, you know you want to hit him. Because they're holding up Cody's head. And like, kind of like a watermelon. Like, hey, go ahead. You know, slam the chair down. But he doesn't. He beats up in a circle with the chair. They all retreat out of the ring. And, you know, Jim Ross and... Uh, Tony Schiavone are like, yeah, oh, MJF, oh, he's, he's Cody's friend, all right. And, you know, and that's how we kind of go off the air. The best part, though, <laughs> so Darby Allen, as Jericho and stuff is coming down, starting to walk up the ring, Darby Allen comes skateboarding down the ramp and takes out Jericho. They fight for a little bit, and then he gets in the ring to join the uh, the good guys. And you hear Chris Jericho, he goes, Cody, 
I'm gonna get you at full gear. And Darby, it'll be your funeral next week, bitch. And <laughs> they go off the air. Um, so another week, another huge, massive beatdown in the show. But I could definitely see, because they had like eight people in total, eight or nine people out there. And I could definitely see where it's like, hey, you could do a lot with this. You could have MJF versus Sammy Garvara. You could have uh, Dustin and Hangman Page versus Ortiz and Santana. You could have Jericho and, you know, the Inner Circle versus... Cody's team of, you know, MJF, Cody, Dustin, and Hangman Page or something. Like, you know, the the, the result the, the, the combinations are, you know, quite a few. All and just also, off this. Yeah, and it looked like uh Hangman Page and Jake were going to have a Oh yeah, and Hang, yeah, Jake Hager was out there too. So yeah, there you yeah. go. So So I I liked the ending of this a little bit better because even though there was a massive beatdown, the good guys also got their also got their retribution a little bit from last week as well. It was less confusing. There was less chaos at the end. Yeah, and I kept thinking while watching this, like there's a definite lack of story building. Like I'll admit it, I'm a WWE fan. From you know, being a kid to now. And I'm used to my wrestling. Telling stories. Cutting promos. Getting me invested. And here. They're just kind of putting on matches. And they're letting the matches play out the story. And they do a little bit of. Of. Uh, storytelling. Or you know, either after the match. Or during or whatever. But. Both shows now, we've not had any backstage segments. We've not had anything outside of, you know, a couple promos here and there. Are you kind of surprised with this? Or are they? Do you think they're just trying to say, hey, we got all these wrestlers we're going to kind of get through. Let's get them on the show. Um, I'm not surprised that there's not been backstage segments. I mean, I think from the comments that Cody had made before that he said that there wasn't going to be a ton on the show. And I, I don't know necessarily that there's not stories necessarily being told. I think that the stories are just being developed differently. And it's, it's a little, it's, it's, it's refreshing. I, I, I have to say though, like I don't watch WWE programming week to week anymore. Yeah. Either do I. And to be honest, I don't watch the pay-per-views every month either. I see that's about I, the only thing I do watch. I watched SmackDown last week just because uh you know, it was on Fox and everything. But yeah, I uh I'm the same same boat you are. I so I mean because like I wa- I I used to watch the pay-per-views every month and then I was like I, and I could follow along with the stories from month to month, but like it got to the point where the pay-per-view started feeling like episodes of Raw and SmackDown. And I don't know if that's because they're on the network and they don't necessarily have to put a lot of thought and money into it anymore. What? But, like, it just started turning me off. And the one thing I will say is that AEW, I I know it's only been two weeks, but they have been internally consistent with how they 
produce their show, every match, for the most part, has made sense about why why people are, like, matching up with who. Like, yeah, there are some random one-off matches, but, like, this major story between Cody, Young Bucks, Ken, uh, Cody, the Young Bucks, Dustin, and Hangman versus the Inner Circle, so far, everything has pretty much made sense. And it's just told within the ring. It's, um... It, it it reminds me a lot of uh, PWG. It reminds me a lot of a lot of other independent shows. Things that I I do like, yeah, because they they can tell complex stories without the use of you know interview guys and gals in the back. They can just do it within the ring, and people can follow along with. It. Fair enough. And I mean, AEW doesn't have writers either, so that's another big thing there, too. The wrestlers are kind of doing it on themselves, or are doing it themselves. Well, right, and when, and when we say that they don't have writers, they don't have... You cut creative out. And... Oh, you cut out. Say that again? Oh, okay. I was just going to say, there are... There's not writers in the way that WWE as writers but i'm like they're not writing promos and and all that other stuff but there is a creative team and that creative team is crafting the stories that, that we're seeing on the on the screen okay fair enough has, well i mean there has to be a booking committee no of course <laughs> of course yeah they just go out there and do stuff willy-nilly um but yeah i i really like the second second episode the two hours just flew by like i said though I'm still going to harp on this. I want more promos. Early on, I don't know who a lot of these people are. Yeah, I may have seen them in All or Nothing or whatnot. But, uh, like, uh, there's so many people to keep, not keep track of per se, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to remember the intricacies. But, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, maybe it's because I'm not watching anything on YouTube. I don't know. But, I mean, on the other hand, too. I really think, like, yeah, okay, they they are, you know, uh, are making a big presence on social media. They've made use of things like YouTube. But they should also have recaps or something. They don't mention anything on the show. Hey, check out AEW's YouTube. Hey, check out Being the Elite. Do this, do that. They don't mention any of that stuff. Heck, they didn't even mention... The only reason they mentioned uh, AEW Dark was because of... The, uh, the the Darby Allen match, right? You know, like they've got they're, they're they're producing great content. They really need to spend five minutes hyping that up. Tell me where to find this stuff. I'm not gonna go look for it unless I know. Uh, you shouldn't expect the viewer. Not every viewer is a diehard, you know, wrestling fan, and they gotta stop catering to the diehards. I mean, yes, they're doing good now, but. At the end of the day, the average wrestling fan who's still around today or maybe stopped tuning in and heard about this AEW thing, they're old school, died in the wall. Like, if I didn't see it on my TV, it didn't happen kind of deal. You know, things obviously are changing, but you got to tell us. And I feel like right now, it's just match, 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 a little bit of storytelling. And I really feel they need to do a better job at, like, 
Tell me more about these characters. I want more inset promos. Even if it's a 30 second, you know, just a quick summary of who I am and how long I've been wrestling and what I'm all about. That's better than nothing than just saying, oh, he had a great match at pay-per-view XYZ against so-and-so. Like, that's great, but I don't know shit about them. If I didn't see him on AEW or they're a former WWE guy, I don't know. Yeah, and I I mean I, I, I can understand that. Um I think that I think though that they're not trying to be WWE. Oh no, and not I don't want them to be a uh, WWE. I want them to be all I want them to be the alternative. I want them to do their own thing. I'm just saying you're on TV now. And right. people don't stick around if they don't get if they have no reason to invest and then you just say, Ah, oh, cool, that happened. Whatever. Maybe they don't tune in next week. You know? I mean, I I mean I can I can see that, but I think that they're doing right now for the first two episodes, they're doing just enough to get by and still produce a good uh, show. And the other thing is that they're trying to give the matches the they're trying to make it a wrestling show. And not just a not a sports entertainment show. So they need to give the matches the majority of the time, which is what they've been doing. Yeah, I can under I can understand wanting more promos, especially if you're not familiar with the people involved. If you're not, if you aren't a person who watches independent wrestling, because that's where most of these people are coming from, and they're keeping their names and gimmicks from that, um, from their independent gigs. I totally get that, but. I AEW has a unique audience in the fact that I the majority of the people who I, I believe the majority of the people who are watching have been following it very closely. And so they are, are at least familiar with the people who are assigned to the company. Fair enough. Okay, fair enough. So, so how did they do in the ratings this week? All right. So, uh, last week they did air on uh, Canada, TSN two, uh, mm-hmm. with little to no marketing or anything. Kind of just happened. It sounded like uh, last week they did a hundred nine thousand viewers. This week AEW is up to a hundred and fifty thousand viewers up in Canada. Uh, so for the U.S. numbers, who do you think did better this week? Well, I already know that they beat NXT. I just don't know by how much. Okay. If you had to guess, was NXT higher than last week or lower than last week? If you had to guess. I would say that they were lower than last week. You would be correct. So, uh, uh, AEW did uh, 1.5 million viewers. Hold on. Okay, yeah. 1.5 million viewers in the U.S. So, they were up from last week. Yes. Okay. And NXT... Oh, I'm sorry. I I apologize. That was with all the replays and all that shit. The original okay. number was 
just shy of a million viewers. One million and eighteen viewers. And NXT did seven hundred ninety thousand viewers. Hmm. So after all the, you know, they did a replay. They even did a, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily a simulcast. I don't know what it was. Essentially, on TNT, there was a Braves game going on. It was a playoff game that ran super duper close. And if it would have went over, they were going to put uh, AEW on True TV. But the game ended in time, but I think they also aired it on True TV at the same time, just because they probably mm. cleared the slot and needed right. to fill it. So after everything was, and then they also did the 10 p.m. replay. So approximately they did 1.6 million viewers. Okay, so across everything, because sometimes like if you're flipping through channels and you go, oh, AEW. True TV instead of TNT, and it's just closer. You'll just tune into the channel that's closer to. Yeah. Um, I don't know. My my TNT affiliate wasn't showing uh, a Braves game. They were showing Guardians of the Galaxy. So again. Yeah. Oh no! Last week was like some other movie. Suicide. Yeah, they did yeah. Suicide Squad. So they were doing Guardians of the Galaxy this week. So, uh, huh. Hmm. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch, so I, I just kind of heard about it after the fact. Okay. So, next week, we've got more news. Uh, uh, so the match between Darby Allen and Chris Jericho is now a street fight. Okay. Playing into Darby Allen's strengths there. Yeah. And then there's some other matches as well that's been announced. I just I can't have trouble finding them. Hmm. But uh either way, it, it sounds like a good card. Is there anything that you wanted to see like going forward or anything that you feel like hey, they could be doing better on? Honestly, I think that they could if they just keep up with what they're doing, they'll. I think that they'll be doing fine. The one thing I will say is that I still am not a super huge fan of of booth that they have. Um, I like Tony Schiavone and I like Excalibur, but I still think Jim Ross, as legendary as he is, is being is a weak is the weak wheel in that in that tricycle. So. Um, and it pains me to say that because I love Jim Ross, but that's just how I'm seeing it. Gotcha. Do you think he's just kind of like, hey? I think he's excited to be there, but I also think, like, you know, Jim Ross is not the same person that he was in the mid-90s. And in the, mid in the mid-90s, he was probably top two wrestling announcers there had ever been probably the only person who was better than him was Gordon Soley and this is not the same person <laughs> I mean granted it was 20 years ago you wouldn't expect him but 
he's lost a lot of steps. Whereas Tony Schiavone wasn't necessarily the greatest announcer, and he's better somehow. Twenty years later, I don't quite get it. Yeah, well, it could be too that we just we haven't heard of him a lot. I mean, he's been on MLW. Okay, so I've got the card for next week. Sorry, it took us okay. Time. So they apparently they just announced a huge tag team match. John Moxley will team with Pack to take on Kenny Omega and Adam Hangman Page. Okay. So it'll come from Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia Street Fight: Darby Allen versus AEW World Champion Chris Jericho with the title on the line. We've got Britt Baker versus AEW's Champion Riho with the title on the line. That seems really. Again, it just seems really weird that they're putting these titles on the line so quickly, especially with Britt Baker. I mean, yeah, she was on the announce team during the first match, but they tagged fine. There was no dissension between each other. I mean, do you think they're just going to say, screw it and just take the title off of Riho tomorrow or next week? Yeah, I do. And then make it Bree Presley versus Britt Baker at the full gear? Yeah. Cause I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I could be wrong, but I. I hope know, I'm honest- wrong, but I could definitely, I, I definitely agree with you. I could see them doing it because I could just see them saying, like, "Oh, we did it because you know, no one expected Riho to win." Well, yeah, but I also, I just think that they need somebody who can work in a variety of different styles with a variety of different opponents and. I'm going to be honest, like, Britt Baker has done a lot of PR for AEW. And if anybody deserved to be their champ, their first champion, it was her. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot more matches. Uh, AEW World Tag Team Title Tournament first round match. SoCal Uncensored versus Best Friends. Another, oh, that will be good. Another first round match is Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express. So this is the first well, time... We get to see uh, Luchasaurus and uh, Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy. And the Lucha Bros on TV. Well, we saw the Lucha Brothers uh, on the first show, but they just. Well, they did that promo. We see the first match. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for Best Friends uh, versus uh, SoCal Uncensored. I like the tag team of Chuck Taylor and Trent. Uh, they're, they are really funny and, uh, I think they'll have a good match with SoCal Uncensored. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, five matches scheduled. Um, I, you know, they did five matches this week. So, uh, yeah, overall, I really, really like the show. Um, really, like I said, it was very fast paced. I love the first opening tag team match. That was probably my match of the night. It was just so much fun to watch, and the ending was a really fun surprise. Yeah. So, I'm definitely going to check out uh, AEW Dark this week. Apparently, uh, Dave Meltzer said that there's a match on there uh, with Kenny Omega that is just amazing. And it went like 25 minutes. Interesting. I wonder how he knows that. Well, there's already results posted online and stuff. Well, sure, but like he was told, was he, he was told was like, he "Hey, it's really him? good." Oh, okay. Yeah. So, anywho, that is that. Episode two is in the books. 
Uh, I would love to hear, we would love to hear your feedback. Reviewmania.com, reviewmania at gmail.com. Any parting words, anything more you want to say, sir? Yay! See you next week. There you go. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great weekend. If I can find my mouse.